Nerds International proudly presents And welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. I'm Harrison Hunt, and with me is Owen Lean. Hello, yes, I am not one of the 3Ts, but I'm standing in for the other 2Ts right now. Who couldn't be here. They're yeah. sadly dead. Oh, mm. again. Again. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's it's a health hazard, that. Really. They'll come back, you know, resurrection. Anyway, this is an RPG podcast. But then podcast. I've lost a level. Thank you very much for interrupting. This is an RPG podcast all about tabletop RPGs. It is, yeah. And today, we've got, we've got a fucking good show. We've got feedback... Which is everyone's favourite. Always fantastic. We've yeah. got What You Slaying, where we're going to discuss what we've been doing in RPGs this month. And Oosh. we've got the main subject, which is going to be Mythorog. Mythorog? Yes. Or Mythorog. Well, the more interesting thing is it's by Varg Vikernes. And you don't know who that guy is. I have no clue. There's a lot of listeners out there that are that are face-palming right now, but you're going to enjoy oh, this. Right, okay, great, brilliant. Then I've got a segment called Varg or Narg, okay. followed by Electro Letters, then we've got the outro. It's going to be a good one. Brilliant. Okay, you reckon? Sounds good. Brilliant. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the fact that this guy's name would make everyone face-palm, but yeah. hopefully it's going to be funny. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Well, oh, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to oh. be funny. Okay, good. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. Feedback. So recently we did an episode on Judge Dredd. Yes, and yes, you did. That was a that was a good episode. We got a couple of uh, messages in. One first first one comes from Sam Riviera. He says, "Guys, Riviera. this was awesome. But what stood out to me was the your wife's descriptions of the RPGs. I literally laughed my eyes off. That was genius, actually. That was a good segment. You should bring it back. Well, he says he literally laughed his ass off. So, so he hasn't got an ass anymore. That's, actually. that's that's not good. Worrying. Um, it is worrying. And he says, "Thanks for the time you put into this. Also, can I get a link for the physical copy of Seventy Eight Hamlet Happenings and?" Sadly, no. No, because there isn't one. It doesn't it's, exist. It's just PDF, and it? The physical yep. copy is in your heart. <laughs> okay? Just remember that. But Daniel Owen comes in, probably with the best point, and uh, this is what like a lot of people said about the episode. Mm-hmm. He said, Man, really made me wish I backed the Judge Dredd Kickstarter. Mm. If you want to drink any louder than that, you're more than welcome. Okay, right. No, don't. Definitely don't. <laughs> but he says, Who is Keith Urban? Now, the big thing was, is that we kept on, and the sheer amount of times we yeah, said yeah, it was yeah, terrible, yeah. but we kept on saying Keith Urban when we meant Carl Urban. Oh. And it turns out Keith Urban is a host of um, American Idol. And yeah, if you look at him, he's a country and western singer, and he would make a terrible Judge Dredd. That's hilarious. I want to see that, though. I want to see Keith Urban do country... Judge Dredd well, in country music that. style. But yeah, it was embarrassing, man. The amount of times we said Keith Urban throughout that podcast. Yeah, you just, did say it a lot. It was hideous. I, I, I didn't know the difference because I'm not a Judge Dredd fan. But that's basically it for feedback. We did have a lot of people saying well, they no enjoyed... No negative reviews. For once. No, we just don't I... read them out because it hurts oh, right, our feelings. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to say, I thought, you know, um, doing an episode on Judge Dredd, that's going to be controversial. People, Because 2018 fans can be nutters. They are, I was actually worried about yeah. that with the research yeah. and stuff, but yeah. it turns out we're all right. So let's get on to what we've been playing in. in what we've been slaying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's one of these. 
Oi! Yeah? What you slaying? So, Owen, what have you been doing? What have you been, uh, what have you been, been up to? Uh, changing nappies, mostly. Um, yes. Because I, um, I recently added another human being to the to the world. Mm. Um, I mean, I didn't really do much, to be honest. My my job happened nine months you ago. You planted a seed. And it was quite easy. <laughs> the rest of it um, was all my wife. Look at um, that. But she did a good job. Um, we had to have a cesarean in the end. This has nothing to time. do with RPGs. It doesn't. Though. No, 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 it doesn't. Um, have you been playing any RPGs? Have I been playing any RPGs? Not much, no. Um, so, okay. Um, I Up until that... Just before the birth, um, I concluded my Pantheon Towers campaign. Describe Pantheon Towers. I know Pantheon you did Towers. it last time yeah, you were yeah, yeah. on, um, it, um, it is a cross between um, the Chicken Connoisseur's Pengist Munch and Percy Jackson the Lightning Thief. You know, I've never a, heard for the, of the Chicken Connoisseur's oh, Pengist Munch. Mate. Okay, right. When we finish reading this podcast, we're watching some on YouTube. It's amazing. Okay. But um, it's, uh, you know, attack the block. It's, it's, it's Greek gods turn up in ends and, and, and things go down fam. Um, and so that that sort of concluded with them uh, managing to um, take all the essence of the gods and get rid of it and turn them all back into humans. That was what they decided they wanted to do in the end, and that's sounded like a reasonable ending to me, seeing as the last episode you were on, you destroyed my original plan, so that was great. By accident. By accident, but brilliantly as well. It was fantastic, and you got turned into a ring. I did, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got turned into a ring. Lowen had this, like, because it was Greek gods... In like an urban neighbourhood, basically, yeah. Owen had this D one thousand chart, ten thousand, like, ten thousand yeah. of magical effects, and that I got was him... specifically to do with this god of chaos. Like, yeah, yeah, it was awesome, and yeah. yeah, my character ended up being turned into a magic item. Did anyone yeah. keep him? Yeah, um, on Granny Bitch's um, finger. Mm, Granny Bitch, what a name! Yeah, I know. So um, and what about I... your D and D five E campaign, you still playing that? Oh no 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 no! I I just kind of fizzled out as campaigns often do. I mean, the problem was I wasn't able to attend a lot, so it carried on for a while without me, and then I just haven't heard anything. So maybe it's going on. They just don't invite me anymore. That That, sounds likely. That that sounds likely. Actually, that's probably what's going on. We've gotten to the bottom of it. Yeah, that's probably what happened there. Um, And I'm running a Sunday game, or I will be running a Sunday game again when life returns to normal. Um, In eighteen years. In eighteen years, yeah, quite. (laughs) Um, with um, with some ladies all around the world doing Hell on Earth, Dead Dance on Earth, which is um, nice. an amazing setting. It really is. Awesome. I played yeah. it once ever, but it was awesome. Um, I just, yeah. I mean, when I ran my LARP um, of Deadlands, I always had sort of in my mind that I'd love to kind of go to Hell on Earth eventually, but it's unfair to sort of lock the characters into, in my opinion, lock the, char- lock the players into a timeline where everything's going to go to shit in 200 years and you can't do anything mm. to stop it. That sucks. Mm. It's got, you've got to give the players the agency to stop that, which they basically did. That so, makes yeah. sense. Well, we've been... Uh, well, what about you? Yeah, because f- you've been doing more gaming than me, clearly. Quite a lot. Yeah. Um, we, we finished our uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess campaign pretty much... Um, let put it this way. It was essentially um, all along, it was a secret Dark Tower game. So oh. for those that don't know, in the Dark Tower books, with the Stephen King's Dark Tower books, they basically... Um, every existence is sort of like a level of the tower. Right, and, so, and, and all his universes tap into each other. Exactly. Yeah. The main dark tower is on, I forget what they call it, it's basically like the prime material plane or something like right, this. Gotcha. And so the, uh, and each one, each universe has its own tower in it, but it's a representation and it's kind of a mini version of wow. it. So in the books... So um, even Carrie has its own tower in it. It would do, yeah. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And a lot of the universes cross over, but the, basically the way that we're doing it, and I think the players have picked up on this a little bit, is it's dark tower, but instead of it being all of Stephen King's stuff, it's, it's all, all of my stuff. Oh, that's freaking <laughs> Which is, is terrible, but they're, and very egotistical, but it's been pretty fun so far, because... 
essentially they left that universe and now they're in the Deadlands universe. This is basically the it's the universe Midworld from the Dark Tower books. Brilliant. And the cool but thing is, it works perfectly with Deadlands because it's, it's yeah. westerny, isn't it? And yeah, it's westerny. It's got magic. It's got technology. Exactly the same as the books. So, so the cool thing is, is there's a bit in the books where Roland, the main character, he he's going through the desert. And he stumbles across this kid who's from another universe, mm-hmm. and that happened to be one of our players' old characters. Oh, so cool. we, that's All how right, we're doing yeah. it. Yeah. It's pretty. It's really, really fun, and Deadlands is a, a fucking good fit for it. But yeah, essentially, the tower in uh, the Lamentations universe, which is a fantasy universe, was yeah. this gigantic beast, so it moved, and that's really been causing is. upsets in all the different universes, which is which is really fun, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's good to get Amazing. back to Savage Worlds as well because I just yeah. I miss exploding dice and I miss Bennies. I know that makes me sound like a wimp, but no, exploding dice and Bennies are fantastic things. They, um, I mean. It depends what kind of game you're wanting to play. Savage Worlds is amazing if you're doing anything cinematic or exactly. or anything like that, yeah. which is what I want to run almost all the time. Same here. And it, the only um, the only thing I want to run in the moment that isn't cinematic and would do with Savage Worlds is I want to run a vampire campaign, mm. which for which I'll be using um, some version. I'm not sure which. Probably W. Um, probably V20, the 20th edition. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. Uh, anniversary one with a few tweaks here and there because it's um, a bit too player facing for me at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, um, but I'm using that system because it fits that genre so well, and I feel them more like. So, Savage Worlds games feel like movies or epic TV series, yes. and Vampire feels like a book to me, if that makes sense. Like people will like, yeah, that's fair. A book, that's that makes fair. Sense. Yeah, I think so that I makes call, sense. I call things chapters instead of episodes, and I don't say who's playing the NPC and all that. Well, that's or, it. Like, like the episodes thing is how I tend to run Savage mm. Worlds games, and that's how I'm doing at the yeah. moment. Like, the one we just played was essentially the first book, but this is kind of what it would be like if it was a TV series. Amazing. That's more how it's, how it's been playing out. So after this campaign, you're going to do another one in the sort of the same Dark Tower. It could thing, happen. Yeah. It all depends on how it ends. It depends uh, on it be... how it ends. So at the moment, they know to get back to their own universe, they have to get to the Dark Tower, right? Oh. But um, the the one condition is one of these characters that's in in the Deadlands universe has said, "I'll help you get there. I know it better than you guys, but I'll only do it if you help me find and defeat the Man in Black." So they current they just chased gotcha. him across a okay. desert. And uh, they've seen him get in a mine cart and try and get away, and that's where we're at. At the moment. Wicked! That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And for preparation, I've been uh, reading one of the Deadlands novels, Boneyard. Oh yeah, it's meant to be pretty good. I've not actually read it because it's I'm really a failure good. of a human being. <laughs> it's actually but, yeah. fucking brilliant. Like yeah. the the whole plot well, it's is New York Times best-selling author. They got for, to do it, isn't it? For real? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. Pretty certain. Shane and Maguire. Shane and Maguire. Yes, New York Times best-selling author. It's written Fantastic. on the bloody cover, and you didn't know because you didn't read it. You lazy. I spend more time reading the inside of the book, to be fair. I mean, that is kind of what you're meant to do, in fairness. Anyway, the plot of this book is essentially there's this travelling circus um, run by this guy called Nathan Blackwood. I meant Blackstone. And he... Um, the, Ooh, the main character is okay. called, called Annie and she's the keeper of all the oddities so mm. she has uh, all these monsters that she has to take care of yeah, that yeah, they yeah. exhibit whenever they go to different towns they've just got to this place called The Clearing which you'll probably mm. know from Deadlands I don't know but no? it's basically this creepy town that's in, in a bowl which really reminds me of Red Hill where I live <laughs> and um, on the woodlands on the outskirts there's all these monsters and shit and 
the woman who takes care of the circus, her daughter is a mute, and she's just gone missing and is somewhere Amazing. in the forest. So that's where I'm at. But Brilliant. Is it... Um, yeah, I've not heard of that before. It sound, I mean, it sounds like it could be sort of in what used to be a battleground or something. But uh, It but might well be. I, like, I can't like remember. Like what's out of the cauldron, but it's possibly just something they've written, that he's created for this. It is, sounds like it. Which is usually what a lot of, a lot of writers for Deadlands go with. Well, I've I found... actually got some official Deadlands fiction out there. I know you have. Yeah, yeah you wrote, really wrote some short stories, didn't you? Yeah, for, uh, for Doomtown. Nice. Um, yeah. Because I went up to um, to Fanboy Three, the sh- the game store in Manchester, hmm. fabulous place, um, when they were doing the Doomtown World Championships there, nice. in order to run some role playing there, and I was part of their thing where they did some Deadlands role playing on the first day. Right. Um, and that those games became the stories. That I wrote. Which, oh. uh, the idea was that they wanted the people who were going to play the card game the next day for the championships to influence the plot of the game. That's by, amazing. Such a cool idea. It would have yeah. been so cool so if it cool. was your game as well, then you see it as like a uh, uh, novel written by an award winning yeah, yeah. writer. Have you run awards? We not for it. writing. Not for writing, I haven't, but well, no, yeah. It was funny because, and I know this is a bit of a, a like side note here, but um, I was going to, I am going to Conan the Cobb. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a guest of honor, which is fantastic. But the cool thing is, is top and, billing as well. Andy, he, he yeah. asked me to uh, write a bio of myself, and I, uh, I said that my adventures were award-winning. And uh, somebody said in the comments, they were like, hey, "Wait, what awards is this one?" And I said, "Well, we gave the awards." So, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, of yeah. course, three T RPG. That's funny. Yeah, and I, I put in there that I was good at long jump, swimming, and likes long walks <laughs> yeah. on the beach. But I, I don't know. I thought Andy was going to send it back and be like, "No, we can't have this." Of course, he was going to throw it. Of course, Andy's he nuts. Did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he is. He's wonderful. But anyway, really? anyway, moving on. That's what we've been playing this week. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to get onto the main subject: Mythorog by mm. Varg Vikernes. Yes. Main subject: magic. Main subject: Tokyo. Main subject. I'm scared. Uh, so today we're talking about an RPG by the most controversial figure in the history of black metal role-playing games and YouTube. Seriously, hell yeah! Is this guy? This guy is above Byron Hall. We're talking. He, here. He's the type of person that even the alt-right and the Nazis think have has extreme views. Jesus Christ! So he's, <laughs> oh my God, we're wall. in trouble. I, I I thought this would be great. I'll have a break from the kids for. The, no, no, you're gonna take, you're gonna make me read this shit. Okay, right yeah. Now. So, um, yeah, it's Mifarog by... Is that how you pronounce it? Because it looks like my Farag. Yes, I thought it was my Farag, but that's how he pronounces it. Mifarog. And there is a reason for this. Um, but we'll get into that later. Before we dive right into the RPG, we have to have a bit of history about the man. This is important. Okay, right. So, to talk about Varg, we need to talk about black metal. There are a fuckload of documentaries and great podcasts. Know a little bit about it, yeah. Yeah. There's loads of, of great stuff out there for it. But as a quick introduction, black metal originally was a predominantly Norwegian type of metal that, extre- that had extremely raw production, snarling and screaming vocals, blast beats, and heavily distorted guitars. The and fr- it has like a satanic overtone to it, doesn't it? Or a lot at of least times, a lot yeah. of time, but not necessarily that. Not necessarily a thing for it, yeah. And, so and Aker Koke are a um, Norwegian black metal band, aren't they? Right, yeah, and a lot of them like that Same imagery. Fact. But the first wave of black metal bands saw we saw things like Bathory and another called Hellhammer, and they were inspired by a single album by Venom called, fittingly, Black Metal. Right. Although that album is actually considered to be thrash metal nowadays. Fair. But bands like Marduk and Dissection showcase some of the genre's most defining traits early on, but it was the second wave of artists who are the ones that most people are familiar with, like Emperor, Mayhem, 
and of course Bartzum, who is Vark Vekenes' band. Right? right, okay. And it literally means darkness and taken from Lord of the Rings. So it's Elvish for darkness. Oh, Jesus, here we go. I mean, he's okay, a really right. cool guy. You can see yeah, that already, yeah. right? <laughs> Oh, my God. So, Burzum was a one-man operation headed up by our man, Varg Vikernes, and... So, wait, it was a one-man operation. It's not actually a band. It's, it's, it's a bloke. But he did play all the instruments, and I'm not talking at right, once. Yeah, okay. Oh, so it wasn't doing the whole, you know, drum on the back and the and the symbol on the head and the. And I don't the, think well, that would be metal enough. You know what I mean? Like it would look. I fucking would cool. love to see a one-man metal band. But if, you? if you listen to like the black metal, doing metal yeah. the black metal stuff though, with the drums, yeah. you imagine him having to do that incredibly fast, stomping on the floor. It would I'd be watch the shit out of that. It would be amazing. Do, yeah, yeah, do it, Vog. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, I'll play an extract of his music now. Oh God. Um, but in the early days of black metal, people were extreme as fuck and would use severed goats' heads as props, cut themselves yeah. on stage. And one of the most egregious examples of black metal extremeness, a guy called Euronymous, a member of the band Mayhem, used a photo of his recently dead vocalist, whose stage name was actually Dead, um, on an album cover. Long story short, Dead shot himself in the head, and before calling anyone, Euronymous posed the body in a, pe- a better position and took a photo. And it is actually rumoured that he took a bit of his brain and ate it. Wow. These are the type of people that we're dealing with. But That's, um, that's a thing. A year later after that incident, Varg joined the band. He still had his Burzum stuff going on, but he right, joined okay. the band. And he was playing alongside Euronymous, who was on guitar. And another important fact is that Euronymous also owned a mismanaged and perpetually skint record shop where he put out many many metal records, including Varg's ones. Now, Euronymous is obviously a scumbag and even once po- poisoned a journalist and killed them and got away with it. Um, but the most famous incident probably in black metal history was the church burnings. Have you heard about this? No. Right, so in 1992, 50 arson attempts on churches were made in Norway, and in every solved case, the perpetrators were all black metal fans. Wow. But the first one ever was Varg, and he burnt down the Fantoft Stave Church in Norway. Goodness me. Varg even went as far as to use a photo of the burned church on his 1993 album, Aske, which means ashes. See? Cool guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Anyway, in an attempt to drum up more sales for Euronymous's record shop and the scene's music in general, Euronymous and Varg set up an anonymous interview with a newspaper where Varg told them that he either knew who did the church burnings or he done them. Right. But he wouldn't he wouldn't say which one it was. Yeah. So, um according to Varg, he ex- exaggerated a lot and the journalists they invited didn't realize they were joking. So what did the reporter do? Printed he, it. Right. He, he reported them to the yeah. police. Oh, right, of course. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I mean, I, I would have printed it first and then... Exactly, that's because, where the know, money is, that, you Exactly, know? yeah. So the police came around, slapped him in prison, and in March 1993, Varg was released for lack of evidence. It was at this point that massive animosity started to grow between Varg and Euronymous, ending up with Varg stabbing Euronymous to death. 
There are many theories about why Varg did it, including a lack of royalty payments from the record store or an attempt to outdo another recent stabbing in the black metal scene, but Varg's version of events are thus. Eastern Orsat is, is presented in the media as my friend, former friend, etc. And uh, the fact is, is that he, 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 um, he owned a record company that uh, had published my records. And he was doing such a horrible, horribly poor job that I uh, tried to help him. In, in his business, by he he was in, he was completely incompetent. He wasn't even able to to pick up packages from the postal office because he didn't have a car. So so I just I drove him to the post office because I wanted his business to to run because it was uh, his label his label published my records. So it was a bit complicated and uh, <clears throat> and. Uh, this is the, the background for our. For, this is the reason why I I knew the person, and then when uh, I was arrested in January 1993, and released because they didn't have any evidence. The, uh, this is in context with the the, the arsons. Uh, he started to be uh, hostile towards me because I was given all the attention from the media, and he was he, he didn't receive anything. And before this happened, he was seen as the, uh, you know, the godfather of the metal scene in Norway. And all of a sudden, nobody were interested in him. And he accused me for this. And uh, this started uh, a conflict where he, he uh, ultimately planned to kill me. He, uh, he told his friends, his trusted friends, that he, he, he was going to use a, you know, a stun gun, a taser, <clears throat> and um, knock me out, uh, tie me up, and torture me to death uh, whilst filming it. Mm -hmm. He wanted to um, to contact me under the pretext of uh, a contract that I had not yet signed, because this was his only excuse to, to approach me. So uh, I signed that contract and went to his place and just gave it to him, because that would, would be the end of the problem to me. And I knew about his plans because he phoned a friend of ours, uh, who, and told him on phone that he, he planned to kill me. And the guy told me to listen in. <laughs> so I heard f directly from Eastern Orsat himself that he planned to kill me. So it was not, it was not just a rumor or anything. Uh, and then I went to his place, gave him the contract, and basically told him to piss off. And he panicked and attacked me. Uh, what, what, uh, and this, um, ended in a fight where he tried to get a knife. Uh, he kicked me in the chest, and I just pushed him, pushed him, and he fell. And then he tried to get a knife in the kitchen. So I thought, well, if he's going to have a knife, I'm going to have a knife. So I picked up a pocket knife, you know, the tiny knife, <laughs> and I managed to stop him from getting a knife. And I chase, gave chase, and he ran for the bedroom where I uh, believed at that time that he kept his shotgun and his stun gun, uh, but he didn't, so I, I, um, but, uh, I followed him and managed to stop him and, uh, you know. And when he wow. says, I managed to stop him, he, he means stabbed to death. 23 times. And he claimed it was in self-defense. Mm. So just before we go on here, is this safe what we're doing? I you know, is he going to come after us? Because, I, you know, three years ago, fine, but now I've got a family to think about. 
All right. Well, well, you know when they have people on those like programs and they they try to protect their identity by yep. deepening their voice. I'll just do that for the entire podcast. Great. No, I Great. think I think we're all right because he he's you know he only if he stabs a guy twenty three times it's only ever in self defence. So as long <laughs> as we don't go for him first. Anyway, um, in any case, during that trial, right, about the murder, Euronymous's friends gave testimony against Varg and also gave testimony for the church burnings to, like, get him for the whole thing, right? right. And Varg was finally convicted to 21 years in prison. He did, however, get out after 14 years where he changed his name, got married and moved to France. Now, his recent exploits are also famous, getting in mainstream media attention because he now has a YouTube channel where he gives his wisdom on such things as paganism, survivalism and ethno-nationalism. And he is, it's really bad. He's been banned from YouTube twice. Wow. After he got banned, he put, uh, he made a Twitter account where he's instantly banned as well. And as I said, a lot of his views are so dodgy that most people, like even the worst people, decry him and say that, no, we don't believe that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and on his YouTube channel, he's become also a massive, massive source of memes. A lot of the stuff he says yeah. is so wacky that people are just like... They, they meme him. And there's one where he just shows off his kung fu skills to the camera. And he's quite old and chubby now. And he's just kicking at the camera. <coughs> and there was a really good meme that I saw where it was him doing the kick. And it said, the last thing Euronymous ever saw. <laughs> but on his YouTube channel, though, it's not all racism. He often mentions D&D, role-playing as a learning aid, because he home homeschools his kids, and, of course, his RPG, Mitharog. Mitharog. And now we're finally getting into it. What happens when a church-burning murderer writes an RPG? Let's find out. And for people that know Varg, what I just said then was a joke, because on yes. every, every one of his YouTube videos, he starts it with the subject of the YouTube video, then let's find out. And there's one. Is Varg a Nazi? Let's find out. <laughs> it's so funny, man. So it's actually Mitharog 3rd Edition, and it came out in June this year. Right. And the name Mitharog uh, basically means mythic fantasy role-playing game. Ah. Yes. And the idea, according to Varg, is that the game is a role-playing game intended to teach the principles of Slavic mythology and paganism. You see, Varg, in his countryside home, France, currently homeschools his kids, and in one of his YouTube videos said that's the whole reason the game was created. So that's basically it. And so this is to educate his children, was the point of this game? Kind of, yes. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So as such, the book opens with the line, Mitharog was created as a tool for homeschooling. So the book is essentially a 3D6 fantasy RPG with a unique setting. Basically, you play in a region called Thul. A lot of people seem to think that's racist. I don't know why. Thul. Yeah. I don't know why, but a lot of people have take umbrage with that, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, it's the civilization of ancient Thule crumbled and failed to ever rise again, and it's believed the reason for this is that the ancient Thulians were greedy, self-obsessed, and arrogant, and so the deities cursed them. How exactly the civilizations fell is unclear, but they fell, and now the ruins of their civilizations are haunted by wraiths and a fuckload of them. And it's rumored that yes, supposedly in the previous edition, the wraiths were a stand-in for Jewish people. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Googling Thul here and all I'm getting is roof racks. Maybe maybe roof racks are a, a point of offence for a lot of people. I may, I may very well be missing something here. and uh, That's what I was thinking. Cause and I, I, uh, I, um, I, I apologise for not knowing. That's alright. Why it's... So basically nothing can survive in all the once civilised places and the denizens of the worlds must form small tribes, survive in the wilderness and live very pagan survivalist lives. But who are the denizens of Thul? And you're going to like this, I think. 
There's all the typical fantasy races with some subtle differences. After the fall, the incident that buggered up all the ancient Thulians, the elves fucked off to the woods and knifed anyone who tried to muscle in on their shit. That's kind of what it says. Right. Dwarves fucked off underground and ignored everyone, and then hobbits just appeared. And the book says nobody knows their history, not even them. They, they were just there suddenly, and then you ask them, and it's like, well, where were you a minute ago? Don't know. I mean, so far, it seems like a reasonably interesting world. But well, the, inter- the mean, yeah. interesting thing about this is that the dwarves, elves, and, and hobbit, and men are descendants of the ancient Thulians. So they're descendants of the ones who, but only the ones who live like savages, who live right, okay. the life that is supposedly ideal in this universe, right? right? Yeah. However, orcs, hobgoblins, goblins, and ogres were oh, there. We <laughs> yep. <Here> we <laughs> well, they're the descendants of the Chemetians and the Arbis. And Kemetians is like a, an, an Egyptian thing, right? Yeah. And Vog, um, he hates Egyptians. That's one of his things. So <laughs> so the, the monsters are the bad people. So you know when you, you, you know when you hear about that whole D&D argument of orcs are just a stand-in for black people? In this game, they actually are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty terrible. That's essentially the I intro mean, to the game. Yeah. Um, in Myth- Mithrog, the dungeon master is called the Mythmaster, and to play the game you roll 3d6 plus any modifiers against the difficulty score decided by the Mythmaster, and if you beat it, you do it. That's the basic mechanic. Okay. Simple. After this we go into character creation, and here there's a mechanic that actually is quite cool. It's called Hamingja, which is kind of like pagan type of karma. Um, a person's Hamingja in this game, and I think it's like a pagan thing anyway, but it's a measure of their success, luck, and honor. And you gain it by doing honorable things. Yeah. And you lose it by doing dishonorable things. And if you get a good Hamingja, you can spend that on rolls. Okay. And if you get a bad one, the DM can spend it against you, which is actually kind of cool, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the... But that's basically it. You just get two points per roll every time you, you, you roll it. You can also use it to get like things for your character, such as picking an extra class, things like this. So, Because um, you get them at character creation too, so you can kind of spend them on your character. But there's a big thing here. The the races we talked about um, earlier, you know, dwar- the ones you can be a dwarf, elf, gnome, halfling, human, and orc. And orcs have different subtypes, like hobgoblin, that kind of thing. But... With the humans, right, you have common man, lesser man, and high man. Oh, dear. Yeah, here we go. But the thing is, obviously, there is a very good joke to be had out of being high man. Yeah, true, yes. But yes. the thing but. is, what, the way it works in this is the lesser man thing. Here's how the book describes it. Descendants of the native Hemetian and Arbi thralls and their native owners. So they're basically slaves. Owen's face is a picture right now. So you can see what he's getting at here. Yeah. And the, the funniest thing about all of this is the less that you get stat bonuses depending on which race you picked, and the yeah. lesser man have minuses for just about everything. There's like no bonuses at all. None. There's no. Why would you ever be one? Why would you ever play one? Because you have to roll randomly to be it. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just, so yes. so if you're a lesser man, you're the descendants of slaves, and you're nice. nothing. It's it's Jesus. so bad. Yeah. Um, so one of the things is as well that alignments in this is way over complicated. In D and D, you have the classic lawful, evil, neutral, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. The nine things square. Yeah. Exactly. But in this game, nothing is that simple. It has attitudes which are contemplative, ecstatic, harmonic, disharmonic, spiritual, materialistic, neutral, sympathetic, and unsympathetic. You pick four. And a combination of these relates to a certain way of thinking. For example, contemplative, disharmonic, materialistic, sympathetic is Aphroditic, meaning their beliefs pertain to the Greek god Aphrodite. Right, okay. But the Greek gods aren't used in this game. Pagan ones are. So instead of giving... It's really stupid, because instead of giving the example of, hey, this is is, um, like this god in the game, 
He just goes, this is related to something that we don't use in this game. I mean, how? <laughs> it's nonsensical, I know. Yeah. Um, but certain races are only allowed to be aligned certain ways. The strange thing, though, is the game isn't about Greek gods, as I said. So they're all pagan. And later on, he does describe all of these pagan gods. Well, technically, the Greek gods were kind of pagan gods. Well, they're similar, aren't yeah. they? Well, I think there are some pagans. I know there's some pagans out there that 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 worship the North Panth- Norse pantheon, right? Still, so that, yeah, technically, so that's kind of what know. this is based on. Because they've yeah. got, I know Freya is one of the gods, right? Yeah, 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 who's yeah, the one yeah. that's aligned to Aphrodite, which yesterday. Pretty sure Freya's a girl. Yes. Yeah. Isn't Aphrodite? Yes. Right. You said he. Oh, did I? You did. Yeah. Well. This Sorry. is great. This is this is great radio <laughs> right here. Anyway, Sorry. Um, yeah. So that's it's just very very odd. But anyway, after determining your alignments, you have to roll for your birthday, where you're presented with a few ways of rolling a month specific day. Blah blah blah. But they basically give you a, pa- a power. Like if you're born in winter, you get a plus one to intelligence. Yeah. Things like this. That's basically it. And the attributes are the standard shit, you know, uh, charisma, constitution, dexterity, intelligence, strength, and willpower. We all know what they do, but to determine the attributes, you roll 3d6 against each attribute twice and pick the better of two results. Okay. And he says this is to determine selecting, like, natural selection of genes, basically. Which I don't know if that's quite accurate, but there you go. Then you modify each score based on which race you picked and which gender. Oh, jeez. Yeah! Well done, Varg. You've done a sexist. So, yes. I mean, and, and this presumably is a Byron Hall style thing that females are worse at everything except being attractive and cooking and stuff. Spot on. Well done. Wow. I'm face palming so badly. Here. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Women Jesus. say a better charisma and less strength. Nice. <sighs> And this book came out in 2019, as I mentioned. Next up, we have special skills for each race. These can be good or bad. You may gain a floor or, or, or have night vision, in the case of a gnome, for example. And you get starting skill mods for each race, as I mentioned. But basically, a dwarf gets like a plus two to crafts and a plus one to mechanics. But the funny thing is about the flaws, right, that you get, mm-hmm. is that one of them is that you hate other races. And I think it, 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 it's sort of a bit hypocritical there. So you randomly roll for racism. You can, no, you, you pick a flaw. And one, you pick, oh, you pick one, right. So okay, he's yeah. saying that, that disliking other races is a bad thing. It's a yes, flaw, right? Right, yeah. But he himself, he's, he doesn't like him. So I, d- I don't know. It's just it's bizarre. But um, yeah, that's, basic, that's basically that. And by taking two flaws, you can buy extra talents. And the, the talents can be things like Courageous, where you get a plus two to all morale checks, or Herbalist, where you get an alchemy bonus and shit like this. Now, earlier I mentioned character classes. In this, they're called roles, basically. And there are things like ranger, sorcerer, stalker, trickster, warrior, and civilian. Civilian is when your character is so shit, he doesn't meet any of the prerequisites for the classes. As for the Fair. Role, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it'd be good to play an all-civilian party. I was yeah. going to say, I'd love to play an all-civilian party of some sort. But, um, the only ones that stand out there are stalker, which is a scout type, and a trickster, which is like a thief slash rogue. Otherwise, you, they're pretty much the same thing. Yes, as usual, exactly. Yeah. Your role determines what skills you can buy. You'll be trained in all skills available to that class, but you can pick two to be your character role skills, and we'll get into those later. But that's the long and arduous task of creating a character. It's not too bad, not too quick. But you do have to buy gear, which is a good point to talk about the gear in this game. Is it anything special? No. Right. It's all the standard shit. There's nothing great about it. And next, we're going to talk about playing the fucking game. But before we do, we're going to play a quick round of Dragon or Blaggin Special Edition, Varg or Narg. Here we go. Roll up, roll up. Come and play Dragon or Blaggin, a game where you could win big. Under this box, 
Do I have a dragon, a mysterious creature of mythical origin, or is there in fact nothing? Am I blagging? Well, find out now, only £10 ago. You, sir, come and play the game. Who? Me? Yes, you. Come on, come and play. Dragon or blagging? <laughs> In this section, I'm going to give you quotes from Vogue's YouTube channel, and you have to guess if this is a Vogue or if it's a Nog. Or Nog, if he actually said it or not, right? Right. Yep, First okay. one. My dog killed all of these African Im immigrants the other day. Vogue or Nog? Vogue. Let's find out. My dog killed one of these African immigrants the other day. That's a Vogue. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Next one. When the tidal wave comes, you can stand there firm, and I am the man I can resist. No. Let's find out. You know, when the tidal wave comes to the beach, you can stand there firm, and I am the man I can resist. So, no, because he said something slightly different. I That's... Yeah, I suppose you're right. I, he said beach. <laughs> See, you did. You said, you said it. All right, you get one point. Yeah. All right, with a, and this next one with a bucket on his head. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna go with yes. I think I know how this game's going now. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, let's do a couple more because I think you figured out the secret. Yeah, to the I game. think so. Yeah. In summertime, most of the cars you see are not French because the Frenchman, he's eating lunch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in uh, summertime, most of the cars you see are not French because the Frenchmen, they're eating lunch. I mean, I've lived in France. Do they eat a lot of lunch? It's not wrong. But I mean, lunch is a is a is a cultural event in France. So you get you get a two hour lunch break in um, in France because it's such a thing. They give you restaurant vouchers at work so that you can go out and have a proper lunch at a restaurant that's probably your thing I think I might move there it's so civilised man it's amazing anyway, sounds good I've got two more for you okay, and I think on. I'm going to do both of them because they are funny <laughs> okay. but the next one is the domesticated cat is not native to Europe it's an immigrant giving us insane cat people and destroying our fauna <laughs> would you reckon oh, that one I'm going to go with a fog dear god the domesticated cat is not native to Europe it's an immigrant giving us insane cat people and destroying our fauna. And the is, last... is, he play, is he playing piano while he's saying that? No, it's some of his music in oh, the background. Okay. He, 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 he later retired well, to yeah. doing like um, uh, ambient music. Right. But the very last one, um, I'm just going to play it. Africa, hello, how are you doing? You're hungry? Stand up guy, Amazing. So, uh, This guy basically now lives out in the woods and never leaves. You are absolutely right, yeah. he's he just, He's just got his own farmland and stuff, which sounds, sounds like... Okay, I feel significantly safer now, actually, carrying on with the rest of this podcast. All right, yeah, exactly. But the trouble is, is that, uh, of course, because he's on his own, never contacts anyone. I guess it's not that bad that he has these views, but he puts them all out on YouTube. Yeah, his which is weird. Hate channel. Yeah. Um, so he's a, he's a nutter. He's an absolute nutter. And I think but they, they, all of those quotes came from one video called... Wow, um, one video? No, those, no. Are, those all correlated into each other? No, sadly those not. Those are the same arguments. No, one of his. It was oh, a video right, okay. called Varg Out of Context. Oh, okay. And one of my favourite ones that didn't count as a quote, the best one, is he's wearing full chainmail and for some reason just wades into a swamp like the Terminator and his kid's on the shore going, Papa! And it, <laughs> like thinking he's just died or something. And, and then he turns around like coming out with all fucking swamp juice on him wearing chainmail. He's, he's an absolute madman. Wow. <laughs> wow. Ah! That lowers your attack points because you're scared. Anyway, 
Let's get on to the game. Yeah. There's one thing anyone says when they talk about the game, owing to a screenshot that floated around for a bit. is, And they always say, is this the one with the ridiculously complicated swimming rules? And <laughs> unfortunately, it really isn't. It has a, deta- a table to determine the difficulty of swimming and the pay- t- like the penalties per- based on what armor you're wearing. But that's about it. Oh. Um, but it's people that don't play RPGs that perpetuate uh, that. Oh, I, th- I thought it was going to be like, you know, I have to roll for each arm and you know, every stroke. Of like that. <laughs> you know, that would be You awesome. would have to and fatal. You know you would have fatal. You would. Yeah, left arm, right arm, flotation. <laughs> Anal circumference, how does that affect your swimming? It may do. It probably would, actually, yeah. In any case, let's say you want to roll swimming, or indeed any skill, I want to do the classic jump over a gap. I'd roll acrobatics and have a modifier equal to a quarter of my level rounded down. Oh, dear. Um, That's for any ones I'm trained in, but for ones I picked as my character roll skills, you just add half your level, and the ones you're not trained in in any way, you get a penalty, and this all depends on which skill it is. It sounds really bad, but it's... Actually, when you get that... I suppose when you get the hang of it, it's actually quite simple, because you're only using your level, aren't you? Exactly, and you you actually record it on your sheet, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it's not as bad as you think, Um, but a natural three is a crit failure, and this is the bit that does piss the shit out of me, and and a roll of five or more behind the difficulty score is also a crit failure, but a crit success is a straight 18 or a five over the difficulty score. So it means that instead of just... You know, doing success or failure or going, well, you're a fair bit over it. You know, you're a fair bit over the difficulty, so that's a really good one. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now you have, now there's specific hard, fast rules as to whether or not... That's you, crit or not, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I like that <coughs> a lot, but combat is a bit annoying because it goes... It's basically like AD&D, like really old yeah. school stuff. Like, you check morale, declare actions. Um, anyone on a horse rolls riding, check initiative, check fatigue, perform any actions... It's a bit clunky. Yeah. A bit clunky, but the initiative is basically a D6 plus dex and any mods, plus four if you're using a missile weapon. So that's why you have to declare your actions, because you're faster if you're using a missile weapon or a spell, basically. Yeah. Well, so okay. kind of yeah. makes sense. But to hit someone, you have to beat their defensive value, which is 10 plus melee skill, plus proficiency, plus shield mod, Uh-oh. plus encumbrance mod, plus okay, condition modifiers, plus Jesus. melee mod. And to do that, you roll 3D6. But the, every time you do damage... More than one HP, which is whenever you do damage, you have to roll on a table to see what the cut did, oh, then roll on a shocked table to see if they're shocked. That's every time you hit. You see, I mean, up until this point, I was thinking, you know, despite, apart from all the horrific racism and sex, like the game's shit, not. This terrible. actually sounds playable. Like you could, in theory, play it. Now we're we're in Byron Hall territory. That's yeah, exactly okay. what I thought. Like it seemed playable, but it just seems like all these crazy house rules and things like this. Um, I mean, it's it, it it's written by a guy who's clearly nuts about well. Killing people, <laughs> so, so he wants to go into as much detail as possible for the for the for the actual killing bit. Well, it's funny you say that because Vogue says his role, his favourite role playing games are Merp and D and D. And if you know Merp, that's like a sort of uh, mutant. I was going to say mutant cousin of Role Master, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it no. kind of is. And the thing is, is everyone calls that Table Master. So that's why. I guess he's so into tables because um, Rollmaster and that well, they're yeah, all about yeah, tables. tables. Yeah, rolling on tables. I mean, yeah. there's so many tables. As you go through the book, it's just over and over, and the whole rest of the combat is basically tables. And the gear section, as I said, is unremarkable. But then we go back to talking about the world again. And you do, you, dear listener, and Owen, already know the basics. So here's the interesting parts that aren't mentioned in the intro. The region of Thule is split into several areas. Jotunheimer, this is the land of the Ettins, and I think they're basically giants? 
but okay. I don't know. Um, this region's ruled over by a deity called Ymir, and Jotunheimer is somehow unnaturally quiet. Niflheimer, where the dwarves hang out, is ruled over by the god Loki, and there are entrances all over the world to their subterranean land. Um, there's one where the elves are called Jossalfelheimer, basically a big dense forest, and the elves have no permanent residence there, but they just roam around stabbing outsiders. That's what they do. Then there's one place literally called Frightening, which I think is amazing. Frightening? Yeah, it's just frightening. And you're never going to guess what it's like. I, I, I really, really hope it's a pleasant, beautiful, greenfield-type place, but it's not, is it? A bunch of scary islands. Thought it might be. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah it... I didn't see the island bit coming. Yeah. I, th- I thought giant swampland, but yeah. That would have been better, honestly. Yeah. But um, the funny thing, why I mention all of these places is because Varg mentions in the book that all of these have real-world equivalents. Oh, Jesus. So, the people of Frightening... Go are described as Indo-Aryans, Persians, and Sumerians. So basically, like, you know, Iraqi people, people from Iran. He grew up in Iraq, actually, Varg. And so he describes it as frightening. And I'm sure that's probably accurate. When did he? When would he have grown up in Iraq, though? It must be, like, 40 years ago now. His dad um, actually made computer programs for Saddam Hussein. Oh, oh so it was Saddam's time then. Okay, yeah, yeah. Enough, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't pre-all that. So, basically, anyway... Afghanistan, back in the day, before the Taliban, was, like, right. pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, so, basically, he's called all the Middle Eastern countries in his book Frightening. What a guy. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. Interestingly, there was a stand-in for Jewish people, as I mentioned in the previous version, but as far as I'm aware, I've combed throughout the whole thing. I and can't see it, yeah. No, um, oh. it seems like in this version, he's taken it out, but he, he's mentioned Jewish people a lot on his YouTube channel, and I, I know he has that belief, but for some reason he's stripped out of this one, probably okay. to make it more sellable, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm aware, they were the bad guys in the last one anyway, but yeah. next is a big section about travel and survival, and you're never going to guess what it is. Bunch of tables. Of course it so is. There's, course a, it is. there's a jogging table. Amazing. Which is fucking great. But um, the, the, basically, the thing about travel and survival is everything you do uses up stamina points. Okay. And as far as I'm aware, it never says once in the book how to recover them. So it does say how to recover HP, but never stamina. So, yeah. Presumably, you just die eventually. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> you don't get it back. Everyone eventually will die from lack of stamina. You can't knock it for originality. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's certainly a thing. You've got a, a finite amount of stamina, and once it's used, you're dead. I mean, technically, Don't Rest Your Head kind of had something like that going on, but it, but uh, Don't Rest Your Head had something else going on for it, which was that it was good. <laughs> there you go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the random encounters table, which comes after that, it really made me laugh. The first category, the first category is animals and cursed trees, and I want you to guess the ratio of animals to cursed trees on this table. Tell me that animals are vastly overnumbered by cursed trees. Well, there's fifty on the table, so have a guess. Two animals and 48 cursed trees, please be that. 49 animals, one cursed oh, tree. Uh, that would be good. If the, world was, if the world was just populated by cursed trees, <laughs> and, 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 and a rabbit is a rare thing. It's, 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 yeah, the, t- the two animals were like, yeah, r- rabbit and some random thing, and rhino. Those are the only two animals that exist in the world. <laughs> That'd be great. I'll play that. I'll totally play that. But um, there's funny. There's a funny because there's two tables. One for corporeal trolls and one for incorporeal trolls, which is I don't know. That just made me laugh. Well, I mean, an incorporeal troll is someone who just um, who doesn't really have much physical substance anymore and just trolls people on YouTube all the time. I imagine. I was about to make that Boom! same joke. That was good. Beat you to it. Beat you to it. But um, there's a big load of magic items. Shitloads of magic okay. items, which I love. I love magic items. But here's some. Everyone loves items. magic items. But yeah, exactly. There's the power pebble. 
which I just think is a hilarious name. You can uh, use it to cast any spell for free, but it's like, imagine this big like Norse Viking dude just going, I use the power pebble! <laughs> just doesn't have the, the right ring to, to it. it yeah. It might, but it might in Norwegian. Oh yeah, that's a good point. It might be lost in translation. There's another one, the Beans of Growth, and it's essentially the beans from Jack and the Beanstalk, and that, Owen, is every interesting magic item in the game. What, there's two? Yes. The, 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 the whole magic item section has two things in it. They're really dull. It's mainly just... like you get a, like a bonus to this or a bonus to that. Right, it's okay, like yeah. when you're a lazy designer, it's that type of thing. So, Do you yeah, know what so, I mean? Right, okay. This is, is a sword that gives you plus one fighting. Yes, there you go. And it's But you'll give it like some epic name like the Sword of the Heavens. Plus yeah. one. <laughs> um, but there, there's also gifts and curses, right? A gift or a curse can be bunged on you by any divine being. Etins, nymphs or trolls, they all have special triggers as well. For example, if you may get cursed by a deity if you gravely insult them, and one way of doing this that the book lists is burning down a church or a temple. He's a cheeky bugger, any old varg. But that would insult them. Exactly. So why would you do it? I suppose well, he You'd would get cursed. There you go. Yeah. Three. Uh, maybe th- maybe he's trying to explain himself. Maybe this is his way of repenting. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is like. I don't big... know why I've been defending him the whole podcast here, but yeah, it does sound like that. Doesn't this it? whole book is one long yeah. confession by Varg. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyway, these curses and gifts can be a number of things, from falling in love with someone and you're cursed and for them to never give a shit about you. Basically, the divine friend zone ability. Or a, one of the gifts, What this made me laugh, like one of the gifts is an apple. You just get an apple. So you can do anything, it's just an apple. Yeah, you get cursed for your whole life or you get an apple. <laughs> <laughs> there's one way where... That's just the way the cookie crumbles, isn't it? Yeah. And 20 for curse or apple. There you go. And there's, there's one where a deity seduces you and you have a baby, but the troll ones are where it's at. Because you, can, you can't get gifts from them. You can only get curses, and the names for them sound like metal bands. There's only two, and it's Troll Terror or Troll Dread, which I think would be a great yeah, name for a band. Metal band. Yeah, I'd, I'd list Troll Dread. Yes, and they're both they, those two just affect morale. That's yeah. it. So finally, before we end this review, the last part that's worth mentioning is spells. Spells are divided into race and role. So there's bard, dwarf, elf, gnome, uh, orc, ranger, and sorcerer, and many of them are pretty dull. Rather than giving the character a cool ability, they, too many spells just give you a bonus to a skill, which is lazy. Even relatively low magic settings like Lankmar and things like this, you know, they'll they'll give you cool effects for the magic, but it'll just be rare. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, all of these, they're really, really, really dull. Um, but there's one called Gnome Flute. And I thought that's going to be amazing, but it's just yeah. the lamest thing ever. And for, it is, saying it out loud, first of all, is lame, for example. Yeah. Uh, but this one just Gnome gives you... Flute. It just gives yeah. you a bonus to playing the flute. <laughs> that's it. Why would you take that? Exactly. Unless it's, you're particularly good at... Unless you're a flute-based character, I suppose. Which but is I, rare. You know what we're forgetting here? Go. Which explains all of this. Hmm. This is a homeschooling tool and not a role-playing game. Maybe one of his kids plays the flute. That's probably it. Yeah. You're probably right. And it's a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are quite short children, I guess. But um... I mean, his character's a gnome, not actually the kid is a gnome. Oh, that's what I thought. Yeah, 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 I thought you yeah, meant yeah. the kid was a gnome. That's just rude. <laughs> so, sorry to Bob's <laughs> children, who definitely aren't listening to this. But there's a couple of cool ones, uh, a couple of cool spells, like Maze, um, like the Lady of Pain from Planescape. They send people into a pocket dimension, and they're in an unsolvable maze. And Gallahorn is pretty decent too. You blow a hunting horn and wakes up everyone in a seven-mile radius. (laughs) But spells work in a weird way in this game. Basically, loads of them can be done in more powerful ways if you have the higher-level version. So there's weak, normal, strong, and mighty. So, uh, for example, casting Fruits of the Sea. This is the best spell in the game, by the way. If you cast it weekly, you get a pound of magically conjured seafood. But the mighty one, 15 pounds. 
And the good thing about that is you think about it and you think, oh, it's just to get food, but you plop 15 pounds of magical seafood food on someone. someone. That's going to, yeah, that's going to mess fucked. them up right there. They're slipping around. They've got fish guts in their eyes. There's something I always considered, actually, that I wanted to play um, in a vampire game. I wanted to play a gangrel who lived in the sea and his beast form was turning into a whale. When you're at level four, you can you can turn into your beast form. Oh. And so it would have a little fish for his flight form and his flight form would be a whale. And people go, what, what's that, how's that going to be helpful? We're in London. I said, right, yeah, chuck me at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what would be better than narwhal? Because they're basically nails with a big fucking oh, spike, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Chuck me at this dude. Anyway. Kill a bitch. Okay, so that's basically a good old round spell, as I mentioned. And that is about it for Mitharog. There's monsters, but they're nothing special, and that's it. And I want you just quickly, before we end it, just to yeah. take a look at the book, and I want you to have a little comment on the artwork. Um, not the front I mean, mainly, but the, th- the front actually is a piece of artwork by Theodore Cattelson, and it's, it's public domain art, basically. Yeah, right, okay. um, but, yeah, what do you make of the presentation? I mean, there is no art. Barely any, but... Oh, no, 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 there, there, there's, 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 a, there's a piece of armour there. I think, and it's actually Nick that came up with this theory, but I personally... Oh, yeah, look at that page. I mean, yeah. See, what yeah. At the front, what's that symbol you see there? That... I mean, it's like a swastika. It's swastika-like. It's a, and, it's a, and, it, and it means the Temple of Strength, apparently. There we go. But the, yeah. the, uh, the, anyway, the, the theory I have about the artwork... because It's a swastika with extra, extra bits, bits on the end, yeah. yeah. Is that throughout the book, you'll often see little bits of artwork, like tiny, tiny, tiny bits of artwork, like a stick, a sword, a shield. And I think he bought... One pack of weapon I stock art. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. And then he's just used that. There's one that's just literally a, a stick, a picture of a stick. There you go. It's, it's just all tiny weapons. And why? What was it <laughs> it's What's bad, the isn't point? it? Why even add them in? There's no point in even having art at that point. I mean, the thing that's surprising me is when you told me about this guy, when I heard about this guy, and I thought, oh my god, this guy makes Byron Hall look like freaking Boris Johnson. But the, uh, RPG... I, there was going to be. I wasn't expecting to be so boring. That's just what it is. It's just extraordinary. It's basically a shit role-playing game with some racist elements. Yeah. And that's about it. It's just dull. That's yeah. about it. But the thing is, everything else that Varg has put out... It's like, still a better game than Fatal, let's be honest about it. That's the right. scary and thing, is that it's still a better game than Fatal, but it's just, yeah, dull. They like often so. get compared because the two writers are so similar. Yeah. But the thing is, is Mythorog, as far as I know, like... It's not that offensive, and it is one of his main sources of income. Yeah. It is offensive, that's, that's true, but the thing is is that... But he's toned it down enough so that it can actually sell and get some money. That's basically, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I think the previous version was more so, but I know I in like the black metal communities and dungeon synth communities online, and a lot of those people are always curious about this game, and that's yeah. why I kind of wanted to do it, because a lot of people go, oh, I bet it's well shit, and it's like, it is a bit shit, but it's not that bad. It's just yeah. a standard fantasy heartbreaker type setting, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. It's like, pretty dull, but... That's it for me. There Mithrog. we go. What do you reckon? Mithrog. Buy, eh. buy or no? No. No, don't bother. No, not, not bother really. Leave it, leave it alone. The only thing is, is on um, Varg's YouTube channel, there's a really, really funny video of him, it's a re-upload that I found, of him talking about it. And he's like, people have said this is a clone of D&D. But if it is, it's only $10, so go and buy it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Genius. You can't argue with that. That is actually genuinely brilliant marketing yeah, right is. there. But the thing is, it's, it's obviously not like a clone of d <coughs> No, it's not d and I suppose that's fun. the one positive thing I can say about it, really, is it's only a tenner, and that um, Hamminger mechanic with the uh, fate, that's kind of cool, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not but, bad. But, I mean, you can, you'd get that in plenty of other games. Yeah. You really, you variations of it. So that's it. We're going to move on to Electro Letters. Oh, yay! We all like Electro Letters. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere. 
on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. This month on the podcast, we wanted your gaming confessions, and we're going to listen to these, and we're going to choose either to send them to heaven or hell. Okay. Most of you we're going to try to send to heaven, because we want you to be forgiven, right? We like the listeners. But um, Victor Ulansky comes in with the first one. He says, I used to fudge rolls in Vampire the Masquerade in order to move the campaign in my predetermined direction. Used to railroad a few adventures in order to get the right finale. Okay, now what I'm wondering here is, has he learned his lesson and doesn't do that anymore? I re- so, go to heaven. Well, this is a confession, so I reckon yeah. he has. Yeah, it's okay, you're right, yeah, then it's all right. We've all, made mis- we've all made mistakes, we've all done it. In fact, you know, early on a lot of us railroads in our, in our stuff. Yeah, um, I never have because I'm perfect. I know, yeah, but certainly my first, my first campaign I did a lot of fudging and it was not good. <laughs> it made me a bad person. Right, let's send him up to heaven then. Heaven, yeah, okay. Get up there, go on. Okay, Matthew Jones comes in with, I made a Dragonborn character in D&D 4E and wrote about a 20-page backstory for him. I was such a fool. The campaign lasted three sessions. Oh, bless you. That is sad. It's sad. You poor poor guy. I'm sorry the campaign didn't last so long. I don't think he did anything wrong. No, fantastic. Write your backstory. I've been hearing this a lot on sort of things at the moment, you know, about um, people saying, don't submit giant backstories. But obviously... Your games master is probably not going to read a twenty-page backstory. No, no. In fact, let's, that doesn't let's, mean don't write it. But no, nobody's going to read it. But the thing is, it can be a good exercise to build up your character. Absolutely, go like for it. it. If you've got ideas for it, just you know. But bear in mind, if you're coming into a game on like a level one D and D character, you're not hero yet. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, don't come in thinking you've done all these billions of awesome, amazing things. But well, yeah. I think that, yeah, because I tend to—that's been a problem with some of my characters. Like I start a novice on Savage Worlds, and now yeah. I have this big elaborate story. Yeah. But the thing is, they can't really have done that much. They're a novice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but that said, you know, there's other games where that's not necessarily true. I mean, Shadowrun, you start out pretty bad. Yeah, you can. You so you could have done quite a lot in Shadowrun. Yeah. In that, you're basically already a fucking badass the second that you start. Because it's yeah. really hard to level up in Shadowrun. You so, don't really get much. You just get money. What do you reckon? Yeah. We sending Matt? Yeah, yeah, of course we do. Of course we do. Get well, up there. Didn't, didn't do anything wrong. Learned to confess. Yeah, he's going up there. Blame the guy who mainly made the campaign three minutes short. There you go. Um, yeah. Next one comes in from Fedra Kelly Robson, and she says, Our D&D Vampire Masquerade Cyberpunk, in fact, all of my adventures started with one or more PC trying to get drunk. And I'm fairly certain what she's trying to say there is they all started as a new meet in the tavern, every single one of her campaigns. Meh. I mean... It's a cliche, but it's not actually a bad way to start a campaign. As long as, long as there's a re- as long as there's a reason to get the characters together, whatever you know. Yeah. Yeah. Who gives um, a shit? I mean, yeah. The thing is, I often in my fantasy games, I'll often say to people like, "All right, um, how did you meet? And what are you doing right now as the game?" That's starts, essentially right? how it's uh, how right. We, and we all the it, characters, yeah. more often than not, they say, "Oh, we'll probably be in the pub." Yeah. Like, okay. Fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. That's often why it happens, yeah. like, even if it's not your fault. I mean, the deadline. I know the dead. And, and actually, most plot point campaigns Savage Worlds put out open with a thing that gets your characters together. Yes. It's quite cool. You happen to either all be travelling on the stage, stage, same stagecoach when disaster strikes or something like that, which, totally. is, which is which is really good. But you, know, you don't have to do that, whatever. If, if it's a, if you ha- My first campaign, actually, now I think about it, a couple of characters met in a tavern. We played, a, it, yeah. we played an epic uh, Warhammer campaign six months or something like that, and yeah. it, um, that started in a bar, and it was one yeah. of the funniest scenes I've ever seen in the game. So yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. Go to heaven. Yeah, you're going to heaven. Bye-bye. From Yunas Rejonon, 
I'm hoping I pronounced your name there right. Definitely I think didn't. that's it. I buy too many damn RPG books, but never bother to learn them enough to play, run them, even though I really want to. I mean, preach, brother. Can you name one person that you know in the role playing game community who doesn't do that? My brother's never bought a book. All of his collection okay, is entirely from gifts. But that, that's a rare example. Most right, yeah. people, they buy shit, they have... No, no, they have been good intention of running it, and then they just, it just sits on a shelf. I've got so my much shelf, shit. I know, stuff on my shelves as well. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking right now, you know, I've got Codex Infernus on my on my, uh, on my my shelf for, for Savage Worlds, which I know I'm going to use at some point, but I've still never really opened it. But I know I'm going to I know I'm going to either run a campaign there or draw on the stuff in there for my own stuff. The worst it's thing is, I, I even with the with the games I have as well, I often read them, but then 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 when it comes to running them, I've like a lot of the like the intricacies have escaped my mind, so I need to read it run, again. Or you just run it down. Yeah, I just I just try my best. Yeah, yeah. So we sending Junus to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. See you later, mate. All right, never Tim- left, mate. Timothy Peer. He says, I played unironically in a vampire LARP. You see that? He's saying that vampire LARPs are for for lame wads. Everyone was so serious, but I basically played Andrew Dice Clay as a Nosferatu. Who's Andrew Dice Clay? He's an American comedian, and he basically, he plays a character called the Dice Man, and he's like this really over-the-top macho guy. Okay. And he does does this thing like ages ago with... um, fucking nursery rhymes and he'd be like hickory dickory duck this bitch was sucking my cock that kind of thing right well, I mean, it's not that funny but I think that would I work I mean great yeah no totally bring I mean really especially for vampire larps you've got to have a couple of characters that are that are funny and strange to not because it can get I mean the reason he writes on ironically vampire larp is because they can become really kind of lame yeah I mean they not necessarily lame, but really, they're very into the sort of, this is all my immersion, and I'm so dark, and I'm so deep. Particularly if you're playing a camera game, not a game. But the thing is, um, and you need a couple of people there to ground you, and like, no, we're, we're, we're still people, you know. I always play comedians in my LARPs. But, yeah. I also think that, like, um, uh, Vampire, in, in its actual self, is fucking cheesy. And it you, is, you've yeah. got to embrace it. I mean, yeah. the darkness thing, yeah, embrace that. But also, you've got to embrace the silly side of it, like you know, Lost Boys type vampires I mean, as well. Th- it was that was how it was written. Yeah, it was like you're the first thing. You want to play some Lost Boys? Here's some Bruja. You want to play Amrise Vampires? Here's some Torridor. You want to play? You want to play Nosferatu? Here's some Nosferatu. That was that was the that was the idea of it. It's a toolkit for uh, for it, and it um, and yeah. There's, a, I think there should always be a tongue slightly in one's cheek when one uh, one takes that on. Couldn't agree um, more. Yeah. So Timothy, anyway, yeah, Timothy's yeah, going of course you can. Nothing wrong with playing in a vampire lap anyway. See you later, mate. From Luis Pineda, I give way too many chances to players. I tolerated assholery for nearly two years before I came to the conclusion that I would rather stay home and do yard work than keep dealing with a player that is a jerk just to hear them say, I'm just playing my character every time you call them out. What do you make of that type of player, though? You know the type that's always like... They do. They just um, go against what the party you're doing, be a jerk, and then say, but it's what my character would do. Would you I mean, it's, it comes down to this. Is everyone else having a good time? That's it, isn't it? If they're not, if they are, fuck it, whatever. We're all having a good time. If they, if because of this player, 
They're not. Get the hell out of my table and never come back. What I think though is you're done yeah, because yeah. I've I've had a character do that in a Deadlands uh, one shot, and he was often invited to games, and he's actually a good role player, but I never invited yeah. him back again because he kept trying to derail what the players were doing. Yeah. And I think if you have an evil character, try to find some common ground with the players and the reason why you're hanging with them. And I don't care if you want to be evil, but your loyalty has to be with the party. Otherwise, there's no point in playing. Exactly, yeah. If you want to play an evil character who goes against people, play a LARP! Yes. Where you can be on your own and do your own thing. Exactly. That's, in a table game, in tabletop, you have to some You have to somehow be working together, otherwise it's not a game. That's why, unless you're playing an evil campaign, you can't just be an out-and-out evil guy. So yeah. I totally get it. Uh, the thing is, if you have... Uh, a lot of you know stuff planned and then people just derail it it can be fun but often for other players who who want to see what happens it's not and so I don't blame him for wanting and, to do yard work and this is another thing just about evil characters if you're playing an evil character as far as you know you're not evil exactly evil characters are not evil that's a that's a weird thing to say well they don't, they don't for think all, they're yeah. evil they exactly think- yeah they, they're trouble guys dealing with things in their own way yeah yes perfect and um, there is one last one, but before we get into it, and because uh, I think this is the only one we're going to send to hell, I'm not showing you, but, oh, but um, before we do that, have you got any gaming confessions? Yeah, okay. So I actually wrote into this before I knew it was going to be me on here, but you've mentioned this before, and it's good that we mentioned Vampire Lops because it's happened in this, but uh, yeah, um, I'm going to I'm gonna make this long and you're going to cut it out in the post, I think, and cut it down to... Just try to keep it short. I'll try my best. I'll try my best. Okay. So uh, my first LARP was a mad thing. It was six venues in London, all of which were intricate with each other. I mean, the guy, the guy who ran it, goddamn genius. No, no two ways about it. But um, I got into an in-character relationship with in, the vamp- in one of the vampire games with... Um, one of the um, one of the players, and that developed, that bled out of character into your real life. Into real life it, right. it, for both of us, you know, it developed into a kind of an out of character relationship as well. But because the two of them were kind of linked, if shit went wrong in the game, oh. or shit went on outside the game, it would affect us outside. On top of that, she was already dating the GM. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so um, oh, and your dog. Yeah, it, oh, I mean, what an. Egypt I was I mean there's no two ways about it but anyway this was it got to the point where something happened in the game that that I'd done something stupid and the consequences had put us at logs in the game and pissed her off out of the game as well and this was affecting my life so much that I was just concentrating on it thinking about it and getting so pissed off you know when things loop around your head you know just anything you know it could be anything not necessarily role playing thing Um, you know racing thoughts and all that I was driving and I hadn't noticed I wasn't even on the fucking road anymore I was on the hard shoulder Plowing towards a bridge at an unbelievable speed on a motorway. On a motorway here, yeah, Fuck. about sixty miles an hour. Stopped just in time and realised I have got to stop larping for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. I left the larp immediately. That um, right after that, didn't go back to it. Um, cut off, cut ties there. It was yeah, much better as a result. Um, and I uh, think actually and, though, I think you might need to be the one that go. We're sending you to hell. Ah, fair you enough. Put, yeah, you put your yeah, life yeah, in yeah, danger. Danger for the, for over something like that. Yeah, that is. But funny. I mean, the thing is, that sort of thing can happen to anyone if you just get so obsessed with anything. You know, just don't let yourself get obsessed with it, anything in your life. Really. No, you're absolutely right. You know, where it's is, just occupying all your thoughts. You know, this, um, I did f- fall in love with Lop again when I went to Vancouver the year afterwards, and I went into that knowing 
I'm leaving in six weeks. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the fuck happens to my character. And that gave me such a much better attitude for that and role playing altogether that, you know. Sounds anyway. good. Anyway, sorry. But you're a madman. I am a madman, I yeah. Do yeah. Think, I do think, though, this is. Um... Not not helping the rumours that vampire larks always. No, 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 exactly. Yeah, it really isn't. It really isn't. Um, well, like in fact, say, yeah. we have we have one on a similar vein. You of know, um, the very last one that we're going to read is from Anon, and he, uh, he or she, probably he, but I don't know. That's sexist. But anyway, he wanted to remain anonymous. So he says, once my partner went down on me while I was running a game online. <laughs> Nobody knew. I'm sorry. I should have been focusing on the game. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Man. Wow! What a legend. But then, I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's ballsy. Was it you? Yes. No. no. It wasn't. No. 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 I, the thing is, I might have missed it because <coughs> we rarely get questions in by email, and this came in by email. James forwarded it to me, and I, and he was like, "Haha, Jesus! Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's incredible." I mean, yeah. So that's that's I mean, it. I don't know. I actually, I should, need... should they have been focusing on the game? Do you think? No. No. Because no, that I seems think... like a better activity, honestly. Think, it depends on the game, actually. It depends <laughs> on the game. It depends who you're playing with. If it, was a, if it wasn't a very good session of just sort of bog standard D&D, then yeah, no, I, I don't think you'd do anything wrong I, there. I think if you're DMing, you should, probably shouldn't be doing that. But if you're just waiting your turn and you've got a couple of minutes... But it says he was he was running it. Exactly. I say he, it could have been she. Sorry. Right, right. So yeah. so they are going to hell or heaven, would you reckon? Oh, I think they've already gone to heaven by the sounds of things. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> But that's it for Electro Letters Amazing. this time. So, yeah, thank you so much for sending them in, everyone. They were really good submissions. Yeah. I think I, I'm supposed to give a confession too, but I don't. I couldn't really think of any that I've done wrong. Sod off. You must have done shit wrong in the time. I know I have. Yeah. I'm just, I've just got a shit th- memory. Got my, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I haven't played at your table enough to be able to think of anything else. Yeah. I think, oh, no, no, actually, to be fair, one of my biggest, one of my biggest regrets was a shit game of Lankmire I ran once. And it was at SavageCon, and I didn't have enough time to prepare it. Were you right. in that game? I wasn't in that game, no. But I heard from someone who was slightly disappointed because they thought it was going to be it was going to be better than it was. Yeah, they weren't unhappy. They just yeah. The trouble is, is it, it was a really, really, really great concept, and it just went to shit because I ran out of time preparing because I was re- preparing a con. But and, all I, this and, stuff. You, and didn't you step in at the last minute for that? I, I did. I had to. Yeah. Playing. So I ended up running in, yeah. three games instead of the two I was supposed to. Yeah, run. yeah. And I think my Flash Gordon so game went enough. really well <laughs> on that one. That was, oh, that was hilarious. Fun. But yeah, the Lankmar one was pretty terrible, and I knew, I knew as it was happening, I was like, "Fuck, this is shit." But it was annoying because parts of it were great, and I know I could have done a better job, which is gutting, really gutting. But that's my confession. I ran a shit Lankmar one. By Grabthar's hammer, what a savings! That was another show. Your episodes have got a lot shorter, you know that, have they? Yeah, they used to, there used to be more sections. Yeah, well, I mean, we used to do, like, two items each and then another one and fucking... And, I mean, I suppose back then you didn't have as much of a life. That's true. I still don't, but I'm getting there. I'm trying to have a life. Some of your hairs are going grey, man. You must be having some kind of... Oh, my God, don't don't tell me, man. Sorry, it's happening to me, too. But, um... Yeah, you, Owen, you're a famous RPG industry guy. You got anything to <laughs> Famous RPG industry guy, God almighty. You are famous. Uh, when, when I pitched SavageCon, which you end up not attending, I said to a lot of people, all right, there's Owen. not my fault I didn't attend it this is. time. It is. No, I had an ill child to take care of. Yeah, that's what they all say. I'm sorry, that is out of order. He just had serious operation on his ass. But did he, though? Yes. Well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, that is offensive. I apologise. <laughs> All right, okay, right. moving on. Plug some of your shit, and I don't mean... Oh, pl- I'm plugging it. Okay. <laughs> okay, right. So, um, actually, someone I'd like to shout out to um, is um, Saving Throw, the, uh, the, um, the Twitch stream, and particularly Wildcards. Yes. Who are um, running ETU at the moment and recently ran um, uh, Horror of the Holidays, my uh, my adventure for East Texas University, which yeah. was just a dream watching them play. Christmas themed adventure. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Christmas themed. And um, I tell you what, Saving Throw, they're pretty good as well. Oh my I God. Mean, they're not as good as us. So good. But they I do, mean, yeah, they do actual plays and they're nowhere near as good as us, but they're really good. Really, really good. I mean, they're, 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 those. Those five who do wildcards just blow my mind every I, time. I They're think, seriously I, funny and uh, and re- and I mean I'm honestly, obviously present company excluded. I'm yet to <laughs> I'm yet to see a better GM at anything than Jordan Case Callaman. He's incredible. Yeah, and the the players they're very very good actors yes. as well. What I liked about their games is it's not like Critical Role where it's just a fucking soap opera being acted out. Mm. It's got. They they really do play the game. They, they are playing the game. Demo yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like they but they are also bringing real acting talent to it as well. You know, they're aware it. it's a show, but they're still playing a game. You know, and if you want proof of that, um, go have a look at the episode "The Thing in the Corner" and watch what happens at the end. It's one of the most unforgettable moments in actual play history. So, boom. oh, and a shout to my friend Amelia Tyler, who is um, a uh, professional voice actress from various video games you might have played. I don't know um, D- uh, Divinity: Original Sin Two. I was she's just playing that, that yeah. actually. Really? Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she's one of the voices in that. Um, What's this got to do with you? Because she's doing uh, she's doing actual plays as well now. Oh, sweet, yeah, nice. Single Nocturne. But um, for me, um, uh, uh, there's some stuff coming out. Um, tough guys, we're doing that thing, aren't we? Yeah, we should plug that. Actually. We should actually yeah. plug Tough Guys, yeah. Because Owen and I are writing yeah. the London expansion to the uh, very heavily, highly anticipated game Wise Guys. Is Nick writing as well? Me, Owen, and Nick, and <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're currently writing it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so so have, look out for that because it's going to be. It's going to be a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah, we're we're, enjo- we're enjoying writing it so far. Um, <coughs> I'm demoing it in America in a few months. So Con on the Cob. Yeah, Con on the Cob. Yeah, yeah. So, so go to that. That'll be. It's awesome. going to be live streamed actually. So oh, wicked. Yeah, so you'll be able to watch it. I will. Fuck it up like that Langmar game. Brilliant. Um, in uh, um, and very soon we still have a date, but very soon East Texas University Study Abroad is coming out. Yeah, which is a huge expansion to ETU. It's the biggest thing they've brought out since the actual thing, and it lets you your characters go to three. Um, universities outside of America. Um, so your was, one is Bartington Halls, I'm guessing. Not Bartington no. Halls, no, no. Bartington Halls is my own saying that I'm bringing right. out and some other kind of thing. It is a place called Ascalon University. It is oh, nice. a British university in. Um, um, I've created it all around an actual town in England called Uffington, which Uffington, where the Uffington dragon is. It's nice. not a dragon. It's a. Um, it's a, it's a horse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, people say it's a horse, but, but it. maybe it is a dragon in the game. It's a dragon in the, the game. game, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but um, it's based on all right because it's where apparently St George killed the dragon. That was why yes. I found the place in the first place. Cracking. Um, you know, these uh, this outro bit's supposed to be short, so I guarantee you nobody's listening right now. So yeah. you could probably say whatever you want and get away with it. Go. Um, I like. F- <laughs> I can't. Think I'm of offended. It. You're offended. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to contact the show, go to three trpgpod at gmail.com and send it an email. Do an email. We're also on all the social medias: me, we, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that shit. And, of course, if you like the show, donate on Patreon, because yeah. uh, we, we put all the money back into the show. They do. They, they, they bought my frog. <laughs> I've got a book, <laughs> Actually, He actually bought a physical copy of this. And That's of course, thanks to you. Yeah, thanks, guys, for that. Um, but <laughs> He's going to sell it after this. But <laughs> I am. If you don't want to donate to the show uh, on a monthly basis, then check out 78 Hamlet Happenings, yes. our OSR GM tool. It's really good. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's genuinely excellent. And... 
I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been Owen Lean. And remember that D20s are cool, but 20Ds, that's a good time. Goodbye, everyone. Is that a joke about boobs? Dicks. Oh, I see.